Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. surprised when things happen the way we prophesied them. I really don't, because it's like, man, I just can't believe. Well, we did say, God did say, he did show us that that was going to happen. We actually have it written down in our notes that we're not going to get X amount of days into the new year before this, that, and the other happens. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Share, share, share. This broadcast today, Dr. Price already gave us a quick hint in her office as to the subject matter of today's broadcast, which I will not share, not even a little bit with you. But you want to tell your friends, get on board, those who want to know their truth, those who want to know their God and do great exploits. You know, you can't do great exploits for the Lord without knowing the Lord and not just knowing him socially. A lot of times we like to have a social relationship with God, don't we? He's, uh, he's the guy we know in church. We wave to him. Hey, oh, yeah, you know, that's the deacon at the door, always faithful, so-and-so, always faithful. Can't probably say more than ten things about them. There are people that you have uh, and that you encounter on a regular basis on your job at your church, and you don't know them. You socially recognize them. You share things in common, but that's not the same as knowing somebody. There are people who know me by association of my position, but really can't tell you 10 things about me that are not either taught, preached, or on social media. They can't. And a lot of people are like that with the Lord. They can tell you what they've heard. They can tell you what's been preached. They can tell you what they've read really can't tell you who he actually is as a person. So we've kind of fallen off of the great exploit side of things because we no longer know our God. We really don't. This is how we're in these debates and arguments now. Some of the things that we're arguing about in the body of Christ should be and actually are a no-brainer. And it's a no-brainer because it's written in Scripture. We are coming up. In June, as always, the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Super excited about that. Uh, People are already asking about registration. Is it open? Yes, registration officially opens today. You can register yourself, your teenagers. We have a youth conference as well running simultaneously in June with the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Identity, the key to destiny. Redeeming this generation is the theme that Dr. Price has outlined for our teenagers this year. Identity, the key to destiny, redeeming this generation. We have to go get it. We need to get these young people. If you have teenagers, and I will emphasize again, teenagers into early college age. So we're talking about 13 to 21. 
is a good age range for them because a lot of the early college kids don't have this level of education for them either. Now they're welcome to stay in the adults if they're com- with the adults if they're coming. They're welcome to join the youth group if they're coming as well. It really depends on where they are in their development. There are those that are 20, 21 years old. They're fully ready to stay in TPTI the whole time. Then others who maybe are just introduced to this, maybe have not had the attention that they need as a young person leading up into their early 20s, then come on and join the youth conference because, hey, you're still young. I know, I know, we feel like when we were 20 and 21, I'm an adult. I'm not a kid. You're a kid adult. Okay. Yes, you are. So you're welcome there. Last year we had some of our college kids, our our young ones, young college students in there, and they had a wonderful time. And so that's going to be the theme for our teenagers because we've got to pour into them, looking to expand it this year. Starting in February, we're launching the Near Youth. Near Youth is rolling out as the Apostle of the Future. It's kind of my commission to go get the young people. And Near Youth is launching. And so uh, collectively through the Near Collective and Collaborative, we're going to be pulling the young people together. And the first Zoom webinar we're going to have with Dr. Price is her speaking about why identity is the key to destiny as a young person. She's, she spoke when we met her. I went, When I met her, I was just turning 21 years old. Some of the crew who's with us, and they were with us for a long time, they were coming out of their teens, early college age, changed our lives. I thought, man, to have that kind of wisdom at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And for my mom, my parents, to have had that kind of wisdom, to know how to steer and guide my life and not only be led of the spirit, but to also be led of solid instruction and word concerning the future and destiny of our lives. It's just, um, you know, you, you can't trade it out for anything else. The adult theme is the station of the prophet in God's future. And then she threw out this tagline, unlocking the future of the almighty with the key of prophecy. I was like, well, come on. And so we're going to play just a really short, I mean, like, don't blink, it's over, short clip, <laughs> promoting this year's Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. You want to be here. You can register at com slash events, and it'll take you right to our registration site. We have the same discounts and deals going on. You want to take advantage of that, buy one, get one, free or 50% off early bird registration. Uh, Congregation of the Mighty Members, Price University, and NEAR members, your rate is going to take you through until June 1st. Those, those rates go through June 1st. The other ones are shorter. So you don't want to miss early bird. You don't want to miss those other ones, especially if you're not excuse me, a member of the other entities and organizations that we have. You want to be there. Talk to your young people. Talk to your grandchildren, their their cousins, uh, neighbors, people that you know, people that trust you. If you're in Tulsa, I'm going to be talking to the uh, ministers that I know in the city, friends of ours, to bring their young people. We are going to have a fantastic turnout for our young people as well as the adults. And, you know, if young folk come, typically their parents come too. So you might as well register for TPTI. It really doesn't matter if you're a prophet or not. You will benefit from this information. Returning this year is, of course, our chief apostle, Dr. Paula Price, our chief prophet, Paula Price, prophet C.T. Johnson, and prophet Elizabeth Tyan Fook. We have a returning lineup. Everybody's like, yes, we have a returning lineup, and who knows who else is going to be thrown in. 
by the end of it, I believe this year we're going to uh, return rolling out having the different workshops in the evenings and different opportunities and splitting some things off differently and really returning to what we've done years ago. Now that we have our own facility and not a hotel where we're paying, you know, the cost of your firstborn child to (laughs) use multiple rooms at one time. It's wonderful, the options that we have, and we look forward to seeing you here. Start now. Bring your friends. Tell people. You don't know who's looking for these answers, but I guarantee you somebody is. Share this on your Facebook as we do the marketing and the promotions. Share the flyers. Tag people. Hey, you want to go? Yeah, sure. It's January. Plenty of time to plan. I'm excited that we have the June theme. We have the November theme already, y'all. Registration for that will also be opening soon, so you can just register your heart out, okay? Just register your heart out and get it done, get it done, get it done for the whole year. A tax return, use that tax return money. Now, see, this is this is a businesswoman right here. Use that tax return money. We'll have the hotel nailed down by next week we should. And, um, and it'll be, it should be the same hotel unless something's changed with them as far as the Hyatt place. Right, Hyatt Place, because we have the Hyatt Regency downtown Hyatt Place. So bring your friends, bring your group, bring your intercessors, your trainees, your students. What we love about groups coming, because we do have a group rate, is when you bring a group of people, you as a leader don't have to go back and say what you heard. Everybody gets that baptism together. It bonds the group, it bonds the team, it galvanizes people because they've experienced it together. The road trip, if you're driving, uh, you know, these days I highly recommend driving because with the way these flights are being canceled and delayed, especially at peak travel times in the year, you might want to rent something. Winnebago's, Winnie's, get a Winnie. And with your friends in Winnie, cross country, all right, get some cars, whatever, and make it your business to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, June 15th through the 18th, 2022. I'm just going to keep talking and keep moving on because there are so many things to address. Monday night, I don't know if you even put it up there. We didn't even talk about it, uh, Rachel. But Monday night, just if you get notifications when we go live, then you'll get the notification. 6.30, well, 7 o'clock, she'll go live. Dr. Price is speaking on critical race. She's being brought in by the Women's uh, Republican Club. There's a Jenks branch, a new one, a newer one, I should say, in the Tulsa area. And she is their special guest. We're hosting it here at the embassy, even though they're the actual host. It'll be here. We are going to go live with that on our platforms. So if you want to get your CRT, critical race theory, education on, then you need to schedule yourself to be available at that time. I don't even know what she's going to say, but I know it's going to be the truth. It's going to be the facts, and she will have her stats available in order to inform us and educate us to think differently, to live powerfully. That is the overarching model of everything we do. Think differently, live powerfully. You cannot live any differently than the way you think. And I know we kind of want to believe it's true that we, the way we think doesn't affect who we are, but it affects who we are and what we do. So stay tuned and stay connected with that because, you know, gone are the days, and I know I sound like a broken record, gone are the days where we can just wait on, wait on Jesus and wait on the Lord to 
Calgon take us away kind of thing, where we're just to tell, I just want to soak my, my issues away and slide up under some bubbles, and when I come back out, everything is going to be fine. As, as long as, you know, we've had that Hezekiah mentality. As long as things are fine in my generation, well, who cares about the next one? You know, that's for them to take care of. And guess what? We're that generation. We've had this thing bounce down and bounce down, the previous generations burying their head in the sand. I talked to somebody recently who um, now they're uh, past 50 years old, but when they were in their 20s had said to their pastor, this is a woman said to their pastor, you know, I want to go into politics. I feel driven by that. And in essence, the response was, you need to sit down and be quiet and be a wife and go to church and leave that alone. This, I mean, these are things that were told to people for years and still told to people for years and years and years. These are people who can easily end up very bitter in life and very, very frustrated because their entire purpose has been stifled. I mean, come on. How good does anybody feel when they're constipated? Can we have a real conversation? At first, it's uncomfortable. It's uneasy. But, see, when toxicity can't leave your body, you start getting massive headaches, Toxins are backing up into your system. You can't sleep right. Eating is painful. Everything is painful. You can't get out what's impacted in you. (laughs) And when you're calling, can't get out. All these leaders who have told people, men and women alike, this arena isn't for you, that isn't for you, especially women, just sit down. You You need to just focus on having children, having a family. Don't worry about that. Let the men take care of it. Let the world take care of it. Let the city take care of it. Let the police take care of it. It's not your responsibility. You just need to be mild-mannered over here and look at where we are and look at where we're not. We've talked about the literacy rate. The illiteracy in the United States of America is astounding. It's appalling. And the scripture illiteracy in the body of Christ is probably the same statistic. How many people don't even read their Bibles? It's optional. It's a supplement. It's a support. Supplements are optional, aren't they? Do you take those vitamins? Oh, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes I, when I feel a little something, I just pop a little extra. And if I don't, I just kind of go with it. That's how we do with God. When we need a little extra something, we, we dig deeper in him. Last week on this broadcast, Lord have mercy, last previously on the Jesus and Paula show, Dr. Price talked about, I love this electronic tablet, come on, the prophetic tour of duty. And is it time for your next assignment? And I tell you, she made a key, well, so many key points. But one of the points that she made was the way God brought you in is the way he'll take you out. Someone's in the room, she's military. She was military. You don't volunteer in and then volunteer out. You don't, you know, there are things like something that you volunteer for. Military is not, you don't volunteer for those kind of things. Dr. Gale, she's also a uh, retired Army. You don't just say, hey, guys, you know what? I'm in the U.S. Army. Yes, sir. We sing that about church things. You don't do that. You sign up. You sign a contract. You sign, <laughs> Dr. Gilsey, you better say it. You sign a contract. When I was commissioned, we signed a contract. It, Dr. Price read it on the stage. We recited it and went off and forgot it. Some. We, we are bound by a contract with this institution and to God 
for a level of service that we are required to deliver. Army, military. I'm just saying Army because I'm most familiar with Army people, okay? I'm not knocking any other branch of the military. You sign, all right, Prophet CT, Air Force, I got you, sir. <laughs> got you, Navy, all those in the Navy, got you, everybody, we got you, got you, got you. All right, you sign a contract. Prophet CT, you know, we've had uh, conversations about retirement and different levels of promotions and so on and so forth in this class and that class. Do you know you have to be eligible for retirement? Otherwise, it's quitting. You're AWOL. You're absent without leave. You're, you've gone without permission. If we really stay connected with the terminology in the reality of real officers, we would completely change how we handle this thing with God. If you were caught mouthing off about one of your senior officers in the military, like if they caught you talking about them, that could be very bad for your whole career, forever. But could it not? Because you have destroyed your reputation because you put your mouth out there against a general. Admiral, colonel, lieutenant colonel, commander, captain, lieutenant, whatever. They, well, I'm sorry, what did you do? If you don't stand right when they walk in the room, if you don't, if the right person doesn't bring attention to everybody else in the room that somebody of a higher rank has walked in the room, you need to study military protocol to understand God's expectations of us in these offices. Yes, yeah, somebody said, D Stephen Hall Jr., okay, dishonorable discharge. That's right. There are several ways to get out of service. But there's only really one right way, maybe two. Honorable, discharge, eligible. Well, I am eligible. I'm not eligible until. And you know what happens if you're not eligible? If you are ineligible, guess where you're going? Nowhere. <laughs> Unless you are reassigned by the military. Your opinions don't matter. What your family thinks about doesn't matter. How your kids feel doesn't matter. I have friends who are married to uh, men in the military, and they've had to move many times. Pregnant, like eight, nine months, pregnant, kids, he's off somewhere else, been reassigned, all of the, and guess who doesn't care? Guess who can't care? Is the military callous? The military is a higher assignment. The assignment of protecting the nation, I'm sorry, is higher than how you feel about a picket fence. That's really, and because we brought the ecclesia in the kingdom down to a local church and not a national obligation, we scaled it down to comfort. Well, let's talk about church. Church, you come and not show up and show up based on how you feel. You're on vacation. There's a whole lot of flexibility and latitude with that. Not so when serving in an official position. Is it? You can't just say, well, you know, I mean, I've been on, I've been deployed for six months, and so I'm due a vacation. That's funny. Do you not understand what deployment means? <laughs> Do you not know what these assignments mean? Somebody, how many people, I've talked to my friends in the military, how many people they've had to send home because once they got in the assignment, they melted down under the pressure of having to deliver. They've melted down when the bullets start flying. Because it was cool when we were watching a video in the U.S. and everything was home and the creature comforts of home were there. It wasn't cool when you were apart from the fam and in another country and your, your creature comfort foods weren't there and you got some sort of stomach bug illness to where your whole insides almost exploded. 
and everybody got, and there's no hospitals the way you think, and then all of a sudden you're rethinking. There are so many people who melt down and can't handle it. That's common. But that's why boot camp is so hard. <laughs> Let's just see if we can destroy every piece of you right now and you bounce back. Because that's what will happen when you engage in warfare with our enemy. Not if, not might, will. And our training program here is crackdown. It's a lot of pressure. And I tell you what, Dr. Bryce is, you know, kinder now than she ever was before. But I believe she's returning to a place, bless God, returning to a place of a general, truly, because generals don't do their soldiers any favor by just letting them slide and letting it pass. You're showing every sign along the way that this is too much, you're cracking, you're, you're, <laughs> you're falling down. And then you have those who are rising to the top. And no matter what pressure you put on them, they rise to the top. No matter what situation you throw them in, the, the uh, ingeniousness comes out. Creativity, under pressure, under duress, people's lives. Because, see, the military, they understand people's lives are riding on you. Your men, women, people in the trenches, other people that you're protecting. I have friends who have been deployed. And they've been in other nations where things that are illegal here are not illegal there. And so abuses and atrocities are happening literally in the middle of the street in front of them, and they cannot engage. Because legally, you will start an international incident. Because it's not home. It's not the U.S. And you need to know that that soldier has that self-control in order to not breach protocol and cause a problem beyond repair that they won't do that. All the testing and trying and proving is for that. So the training process is to throw you into everything, not that you might encounter, that you, his, that you will encounter, and they know because historically and presently it's happening. Take care of somebody else's problem. Oh, say that one more time for the people in the back? We get involved to take care of someone else's problem. Nobody cares about your personal issues. You are engaged in an organization to take care of its problems because you see it's bigger than you right. and that its resources are greater than yours. And because of that, in helping it to defend itself or take care of its problems, you then will have your little issue kind of caught up in the cleanup. Right. You know, and it's hard for us in this country to imagine that um, other nations can treat their citizens any way they want. That's true. And, you know, that's why we have the human rights this and the civil rights that and, and all of that, because it's very difficult to imagine that, but yet we get to treat our citizens the way we feel is best. I think this leads me into our discussion for today quite easily, quite smoothly. So, but I will tell you right now, for those of you who are looking for God to do something with you next year, this year, leading into next year, I will tell you right now, and I've said this with my team, the, the church-run um, kingdom or the pastor-run church in the kingdom sold you a bill of, bill of goods. And that's not every pastor, but I'm talking about the collective. I'm not talking about the exceptional. But they sold you a bill of goods, and they told you that God was all right being mediocre. God was all right not winning. 
They told you God understood because, you, you know, God knows your heart. Those were agents of darkness, knowing or not, because God is in it to win. And you have it in your mind that if you sling anything at the Lord, whatever you sling at the Lord, he ought to be grateful that you're slinging anything at him. These people have taught you a lying Jesus. And so now you're lying in the toilet. You've missed your window of, of, of whatever it is God needs you to do. Many of you missed your time of visitation, listening to sermons that came out of people's, you know, back closet or off the book I read in the train or in the airport. But I'm trying to tell you that they sold you a bit of goods. So in your mind, you don't have to give your best to God. You save your best for his adversary. You save your best for those that don't like him. You pay, save your best for his rivals. And so we are going to have to right some of that wrong. I mean, you raise kids talking about, well, I mean, we had a contest, but don't worry about it. Everybody wins. And so you give all the kids a prize. So the kid that worked hard is, is, is downgraded, and the kid that didn't care at all is upgraded because you have this idea of a lateral reward system in the kingdom. God doesn't have, God's a hierarchy. I don't care how many times you can say he is not. God's a hierarchy. You go up to the mountain of the God. He did not, never once did he present himself on a plateau. You have to climb up. Now, I'm saying this because there are some things that God is going to press you to do this year that you're going to be theologically unfit for. You're going to be doctrinally unprepared for because you've been told that God doesn't care if he doesn't win. God doesn't care if you lose, as long as you try. All of that is humanist. And you need to know the difference between a humanist doctrine and the doctrine of the Almighty. God could not stay God without theology. Our theology would dethrone the Holy Ghost. We dethrone the Lord Jesus Christ. We dethrone the Godhead. And, oh, you know what we did in people's hearts? People would rather do anything than be a Christian right now. They would rather lay their lives down for anything but Jesus Christ because these pastors who wanted to keep their seats filled said, come as you are and stay as you come. See, God doesn't have that. He has come as you are and then be sanctified and then be changed. And so we, we, we have to change that. So, when we, so people come to me, and I, because I'm working, for, I'm, I'm working for the real Jesus. I don't have that cut-off, face-up, pop-up Jesus. I don't have a plaster Paris Jesus. I, don't have the, I have the real Jesus Christ. And so I'm working for him, and I'm saying, Jesus is like, you know, these people can teach this because in their mind, my job is just to sit there in, on their walls and in their churches hanging out over them. My, that is my job. My job is not to take care of the planet, not to cast down. Now, you get to cast down arguments, and you get to cast down principalities. What do you think I'm supposed to do with it? Isn't that, that's ridiculous. And, so, and that has to do with what we've mentioned over and over again, which is the centerpiece of my apostleship um, education, and that is that we actually, how do I say this, that we actually go back to learning the scripture from those mantles to whom the word came, to whom the revelation came. Pastor did not go to the third heaven. Pastors were not in the apostles' college, were not in the group. They were in the audience, but they weren't in the group. They were not in the private classes. And there's a reason, as much as you want to say that it's not the same, it's a pastor that told you that we're all the same, and yet here we are. 
because it's how, and, and, and we have very powerful apostolic and prophetic pastors, and I salute you because I know it's not easy for you to hold that line and stand in that place, but I salute you in the name of the Holy Ghost and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by and large, why are our churches in the state they're in? Because they're humanist churches, and they went to humanist meetings who were reading from books that came from seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And see, I'm very much able to, to spot that because that's how God saved me. He saved me from all of that. So I was surprised to find it in church. I thought, oh, this is in church too? Wow. And one thing I remember saying to God, if I'm going to stay as I was, I'm not going to stay saved because I don't need to get into the narrow minority when I can go out there and have a blast with the sinning majority. So I, I never did. I literally thought if I did this, well, I'm like that anyhow. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with all my heart, and I'm going to do it because it's worth it. And if it's not worth it, I'm not doing it. Don't talk to me about it. I'm not going to do it, period. Because that I, don't, I hate wasting my time. And I hate misrepresentation. Now, we're in an era today where misrepresentation is, is a highly paid profession. But that will shift because cycles go round. That will shift. But I will tell you, you have been, that's why you're trifling with God today. That's why you can't pass your classes. Why did we end up, you, you know, I thought it was really something that so many of the theological courses and universities shut down to God told me. He said, I shut them down. They were going nowhere. He said they were telling my people nothing and making them a twofold child of sin. He said, so I got rid of it. You know, funny thing about God, God will put it in your mind to rebel against him and make you think it's your idea when it's actually what he wants because God, to God will take the path of least resistance so he doesn't have to hurt you or crush you. So if he can get your will to line up with his will, no matter the motive, he gets what he wants. You know, I was saying to someone, and I've said over and over again, you know, they talk about all of the people who come and go in a church. I said, those people don't leave a church. God walks them out. And he walks them out because if he wants them to stay, they can't leave. They'll walk around as the miserable ones talking about, I mean, as soon as the Lord released me, as soon as the Lord released me, when the Lord released me, okay? Miserable, 17 years, you're still miserable talking when the Lord releases you. So they, if the fact that, God, that they could leave means God walked them out. You want scripture? So I'm telling you, pastors, you have a lot of people God is going to walk out of your church. Thank you. Somebody was flying. All right. Thank you. Okay, now y'all don't have to post me about that. Okay, do you know nobody ever fixed that little thing? But, um, but a lot of times, because there are churches that God wants, he wants a particular congregation and a particular mix, he is not letting them leave. So the fact that God let you leave, put it in your heart, made you restless, unable to tolerate the sound of anybody and all of that, that's the Holy Ghost pushing you out of that body. And you can tell, and and he knows he can count on it because you've done it to so many other bodies. He knows he can get you out of this one because you just do what's habitual. So you, and then those of you who are outside, who are unlearned, you listen to them, and they say, well, yeah, I had to leave there because blah, blah, blah. And you, and you listen to them as if they're authorities, Come on. as if they're a great loss to the congregation. Here you go, baby. You can hit that. There you go. And I'm like, but that's no great loss to me. You came with nothing. You leave it with nothing but.
know, it's time for us to look at this honestly. My, I do this, you know, because I hear people say, well, you know what, you need to be this, that, and other. First of all, I need you to show me your credentials. You know, in the street, they want to know your cred. We don't ask for creed or get cred, and we never get credential. But God says, show me your fruit. I want to see your faith by your works. You got faith in your gossip, faith in your tear down, faith in your lying. Your faith is in that, and you keep bringing that into different congregations, and God moves you out of those congregations if they're precious to him. You be glad when God moves your trouble out the door. Have a party. Do a special praise service. When he moves that out the door, because, and, and I need to change it because I'm shifting things, and I'm shifting this in the spirit, because I'm coming against that lying principality. That is a lying prince. That you, the reason you can't be blessed because of some, you, if you didn't bring a blessing and you didn't breed a blessing, you are not a blessing. And you're also walking around listening to all of this kind of crazy. You never stop to say, so what you do for God? What do you? What have you done for? How long have you been saved? Well, I've been saved uh, six years. I've been saved thirteen years, and all of that time, and you have done nothing for God. You got you got nothing on the altar of the Almighty but neg- but negativity. That's all you got: criticism, complaining, backstabbing, tailbearing, whatever. And you know why I can say this? Because Scripture said, "Mark you." I'm marking you. I'm giving pastors reasons to not go bad when you walk out those churches. I want them to throw a party. (laughs) Might want to have a special communion service. I don't know. We definitely want to have a praise and worship. I want you to stop crying about that because God is moving your problems to a problem center. So where they're going, you need to pray for them. Pray for where they're going, because if, if he's letting them there. Because, see, your church might have been the vetting, the proving thing, you know, where, you know the separation, kind of like, the, you know, before you really get thoroughly inducted, you've got to go through this little midpoint, you know, yeah. intake, before we induct. Now, I'm saying this because I'm speaking to pastors right now. I don't care how large you are or how small you, small you are. You know, germs are, my, my, what do you call it, microscopic. So it doesn't make a difference how large you are, how small you are. The, different, the thing you need to know is the effect. Stop talking about people left you. Now, if you, were, if you, if you had a scandal, you slept with somebody you shouldn't be sleeping with, you, your, your little leadership is on drugs and, and in porn and carrying on, see, now, then God's going to move the good out. He's going to leave you with the bad because you need your support system. So he, if, if that's your thing, he's going he's gonna to move all of them out. A very good church, you can tell a church when a church has gone bad by who God moves out. When he starts moving out the old guard, you need to be concerned because he doesn't want that strength there any longer. He, if, you, if he starts moving out the intercessors, the prayer warriors, the mothers and the fathers of the church, be concerned. If he's talking about, when they start in your church, if they've already started talking about, well, this is not for the old, this is not for the, um, the, um, the old guard, this is not for the old, we want the young, I want you to know that's a curse. Isaiah said it's a curse when all you got is youth over you. Because youth have no wisdom. They haven't lived long enough to give you a good witness. See, we don't read that. And, I mean, when it talks about, 
and when I and that's in Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah, he talks about you know that that, that when the, when a nation is in trouble, women can't find husbands, husbands can't stay with wives, and children rule in the place of seniors. So all of this here, this whole and let me tell you, Satan's real smart. It's Bible. Look it up. Somebody look it up. Say when when children roll over them. This is not something I made up. That's why when people start talking about, yeah, we got a young church, I'll say that if you got a young church, then it's a dumb church. Because wisdom takes the time it takes. Wisdom is 24-7, 365. You cannot rush the, the, the incidents, the experiences, and the encounters that are slotted for your maturity. You can't rush it. And then so what does he do? He puts a whole lot of them together. They all get together, and they become the Young Leaders Club. Let me tell you something. There's a reason why the socialists needed young people. There's a, you see him? Uh-huh. What is it? Isaiah, would you read it aloud for me, please? Isaiah 3.12. See, I want you to understand, I don't speak with not God, and God does everything with a prophet. He starts everything with a prophet. And if you want to know the soul of God, you should know his prophets. You want to know the spirit of God, you should know his apostles. Okay, let's see here. Scrolling. Um, you, let me see. Woe unto him! Woe unto the wicked! Woe unto the wicked! It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of the paths. That's what you're talking about. That's one of them, but there's another one. Oh. Look for the both of them. If anybody finds another one, let me know. But that's the first one I got. So you have to understand, when God deprives you of wisdom, it's because he does not want you to win. He doesn't want you to succeed. God deprived Saul of all of David's experiences. Saul was OJT. Hey, what does it say? Is that the one you read? Okay, read, read it out loud for me. Isaiah three seventeen. Yes. Okay. Did you find it? Yes. Now. Uh, yes. <laughs> Therefore, the Lord will. Okay. Fight. She's going to bring you a uh, mic. I want you to get this because what you're praising is God's judgment. These young people that you all have, it's God's judgment, which is why they don't ever make it to old age and in, in, in their um, and, and grow into wisdom and righteousness. They continually go from bad to worse. Okay, so what are y'all doing for? Huh? Would you read it aloud for me, please? You could. You got a big voice. Come on. Behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the staff and the stag, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, That's what babes shall rule over them, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. 
That is Isaiah what again? One through five. That, excuse me, chapter three, verses one through five. Isaiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I meet, uh, every one of you who are a leader and y'all sitting there having your great time rushing these kids to point, you need to understand the reason that there's a place for them is because God took his from it. So all of those boys that you're filling, oh, yeah, see, I like being who I am because, see, I don't move on faith value. You don't move me at faith value. Kids have never impressed me because I know a kid is a show off. A kid is a showman. They cannot be, literally, they cannot be experienced because they haven't experienced anything. You all got these churches where you're so happy that the 12-year-old can mimic a sermon. You can't even deter, discuss, distinguish mimicry from messaging. Oh, isn't it cute? Y'all little Tom Thumb weddings and Tom Thumb ordinations and carrying on. I'm telling you, that tells you Satan is taking over that church. The devil is running, uh, running that church, and he can outwit children. He cannot outwit adults. So he always needs kids because he can use their naivety, their gullibility, their lack of experience to his advantage. And the kid does not know that this doesn't work until it falls apart. You got pastors out there running out there. Well, we're just gonna have we're just gonna have a young church. Look at a young church that, that right now we got a couple here in town. And folk are like, yeah, but they got a lot of people, and they got to know they got a lot of themselves. Yeah. They have nothing that's going to guide them. And the adults they have are sellouts. They pay them to be, uh, to be immature again. They're paid to be naive. They're paid to be gullible. The problems we have today, if you look at the leaders that we have problems with today, go back 20 years, they were these people. They were judgment then, but the judgment just had to grow up. Scripture said when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So when people say to me, oh, well, he's, he's, he's 20-something, he's 30-something, uh-uh. You at 20-something, first of all, if you look at math, let's do the math, and I'm not even a mathematician, but I got some around here somewhere. But if you look at the math, your first 10 years of life, your first five years of life is getting from the crib to the floor. Now we got daycare, so we add it. Daycare, kinder care, whatever care, but it's a kitty care. So we already have the kitty care. Now we move from that, and we're in elementary school. How many years are we in elementary school? Six. So you're in elementary school now, so we got the five years to get to the floor. Now we got to add six more years to that. That's what? Eleven. All right. Now I want you to see the ridiculousness of this. So now, it's with, now how many years in high school? Four. And that's if they graduate, because they don't care if they graduate. Oh, I forgot middle school. Okay, so where, where am I now? Seventeen years of trying to be an adult. Seventeen years. Now, you go to church, let's say during all of that time, you were raised up under the pew, you know, like so many people, kids were. So for 17 years, you're only 23. So 17 to 23 is what? Six, isn't it? So we have a, a, a person who's been an adult for six years running adults. 
and nobody thinks exactly. And yet the psychologists will tell you that maturity doesn't hit till around 27 to 30. And they, and they keep lowering it because when, when I was coming up, it was 30 because people understood why Jesus could only be a priest at 30. So here you go. You, you think about it. You have somebody who has not entered adulthood until 17, 18 years old. We've given them a church. We've given, and we, I don't even know how you get that many. That's how come I know most of these kids, most of these people are childish people because I can't understand. Well, why is it that you're going to that as your pastor who hasn't even got a wife, kid, dog, bird, nothing? And then you're going to, then they get kids, they're going to give you kitty advice over toddlers. No, I want you to talk to me when they're 45. I want you to tell me how I'm going to persuade this 45-year-old to do something. And, and, and you're not 45, so you can't even speak from experience. So I want you to give her the mic. I want you to read that again, Prophet Angela, and I want you to read it slow. And I'm asking you because the prophet wrote this, and I want them to hear the echo of the prophet's spirit and the maturity of the prophet's mantle. Isaiah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Now, I need you to hear that because he's saying this is how he takes down a nation. This is how he takes down a realm and a kingdom. Now, I'm going to read. I want you to hear this because all of you are. I was, on, I was talking to this one, on one of, one of the Christian networks, and, and he was just so proud of himself that he was giving all of these young folks his airtime to preach. I said, what are they preaching from? Childhood? Elementary? How I got past, how I got potty trained, I don't even get it. You have no wisdom and no education. Because even if they had education, you could almost appreciate it, but they don't leave room for them to get education. So they don't have education, they don't have training, they don't have vetting, they don't have screening. All they got is their good devil's pawn. So Satan pays them and they buy ridiculous things. They keep, and their whole job is to let you know God is nothing, Jesus is less. This is the way to go. Paganism is the way to go. New Ageism, humanism, all of that is the way to go. Demonism, they are doing that. And you're walking around, old people following kids. I am ashamed of you, says the Holy Ghost. I'm ashamed of you, church. You are ashamed to me. You're ashamed to the agents that stay. You're ashamed to the angels that help me fight to keep this kingdom. You are ashamed. You have profaned me among the Gentiles. I don't even know where this is coming from. I don't know. I was I slept. I'm going with it. 
because it never thought, it never dawned on you. And then now we're in the middle of a pandemic, and your mama didn't get healed, your kid didn't get healed, and you walk around talking about, see, that's why I don't serve Jesus. You weren't serving him, because if you had, you'd have been a bargaining chip that kept your family safe. You weren't serving him. You were serving the doctrines of devils. You were serving seducing spirits. You were serving demons. You got your kids, 12-year-olds. You got them walking around here, five-year-olds, preparing them to be whores on the altar of darkness. Now, I'm telling you, so when I, when I say these things, because you haven't read your Bible, you really thought your pastor was right. Your pastor sold his church. She sold her house to keep you in the seats, no matter how corrupt or perverted hell would make you. So I'm going to read that. Now, I like that, and then I want you to give me yours again, too. How y'all doing on social media? Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Because, see, this is not about making you feel like, oh, gosh, I'm ready to go to hell. This is about you saying, God, I did not know. I thought I could trust my leader. I thought my leader was studying. I thought my leader was being with you. I thought my leader was praying. I thought they were speaking from the Bible. And now, God, I'm listening to this, and I'm looking at the state of the world, which is the fruit of their, their watch. I am saying this because before when I used to say, this, Dr. Price, you know, that's just hard and whatever. Well, now these are hard times because I think Brother Biden making it really hard. I think Sister Kamala making it pretty tough. I think right now you want the gods you kick to the curb to rise up and defeat their gods. Because now you have an ear to hear. Because the church has never been preventative, proactive, or preemptive. It's always been reactionary. So I'm going to read this from the Bible in basic English. I want you to hear it in different tones so you can get it. And uh, Yeah, that's what this one is. Judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. When you see Judah and Jerusalem, that's Jesus' people. See, that's the kings and the priests. He said, uh, for the Lord, the Lord of armies is about to take away from Jerusalem and from Judah all their support, their store of bread. Anybody been to the store lately? See, this is, oh, this is the outdated Bible, remember? The, the, their store of bread and of water. The strong man and the man of war. God's delivering us. Where's our soldiers today? All bound up. The judge and the prophet. The man who has knowledge of secret arts. The man who is wise because of his years. The captain of 50. The man of high position and the wise guide. And the wonder worker. And he who makes use of secret powers. Like God did unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. And I will make children their chiefs, and foolish ones will have rule over them. And the people will be crushed, everyone by his neighbor. The young will be full of pride against, and those of low position will be lifted up against the noble. I just want you to hear me, because this is important. When God deprives you of quality leadership, it's a judgment. And it's a judgment that comes with a curse. People had issues with me. I got my, my young ones at 20, and they had issues with me because I wouldn't let them go out and preach. I'm like, what are they going to say? I don't know what they're going to preach. I know they can't preach for Jesus because Jesus doesn't run like that. 
So I never let them go out. And we used to get all kinds of snide remarks, and they used to get all kinds of insults. And right now, they're who people are looking for because what they lusted for has failed them. Look at this, uh, Isaiah 3, 6. When one man puts his hand on another in his father's house and says, you have clothing, be our ruler, and be responsible for us in our sad condition. What is he saying? What is that saying here? He is talking about them running around like we're talking about today, no political leadership. We're just laying hands on anything. You got some clothes. You got a little this. You got a little that. Then we're going to make you ruler. And yet you are not able to do anything. This particular state of affairs today, is in Isaiah chapter 3. And a quality apostle and prophet will always tell you where the present has been foretold in the past or lived in the past. Then he will say with an oath, I will not be a helper, for in my house there is no bread or clothing. I will not let you make me a ruler of the people. In other words, everybody is so destitute, nobody can take the lead. And then this is what he said, Isaiah 3, 8, for Jerusalem has become feeble and destruction has come on at Judah because their words and their acts are against the Lord, moving the eyes of his glory to wrath. Isn't that what we did? Oh, we don't need religion. Y'all showing up in church half-dressed. Y'all showing up, and you got whole ministry standing up there telling you, I'm for Jesus, and I'm, I'm half-dressed. My boobs are swinging. My nipples are popping. My butt crack is showing. The chest is hanging out. The, the men's crotches are, and you're trying to tell God, tell, tell everybody that God has modernized. This is a modern God. This is not a modern God. This is the B.C. God. And they're taking you back to the B.C. order. Which is what theology should have taught you. Theology should have taught you what God's problems were. Because God's issues were always about pagan deities. Always the pagan deities that always wanted to take his people from him. And, and today we've done it. We started talking about the Bible doesn't have things that's in it. And you can't trust. People have been listening to me about the Bible since 1982. And they found, I'm pretty sure I can say they found 95 to 98% of what I taught in Scripture. I back it with the Word. If it's not in the Word, I'm not going to talk to you about it. And I can do that because the Bible is God's cliff notes. It's his abstract on world, world and civilization, wisdom, and construction, as well as governance. So look at this. It said, for Jerusalem has become feeble and destruction has come on Judah because their words and their acts are against the Lord, moving the eyes of his glory to wrath. Their respect for a man's position is a witness against them, and their sin is open to the view of all. Like that of Sodom, it is not covered. A curse, a cur look at this, a curse on their soul for the measure of their sin is full. I just said, when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Now, this is Bible that they told you was outdated. It's interesting that he uses Sodom, because who is, who's president? El Sodom. Every time you let this run, that nation dies. I don't care what the name of it is. That is why we can, we can see the weakness. He said, 
How can one chase a thousand, two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them? The Lord had sold them out. So God, you know, my article coming out, when is it? February from Charisma Online magazine is the title. You want to read it because it, it, it goes with this. Read it. It's the new year. Should you fear? Because you probably should be very afraid. And at the end of it, I talk about the fallacy of us using Second Chronicles 7.14 to merely quote. And it's important that you read that when it comes out. She said February. So here is what I wanted you to get. This is God's judgment. So you may have a genius kid, but a genius kid doesn't belong in government because government is more than a mind. I thought I'd let that go. So now I'm going to read it in the real, the real, the real brought down version. This is the contemporary English version, but I want you to hear it so that you can get it recorded in language that speaks to you. Because you're a pastor, you're going to move a lot of people out of position this year. You are a church leader, you're an apostle, five-folder, three-folder. You're going to switch out a lot of positions this year. You need criteria. You need to be able to compare spiritual things with spiritual. You need to be able to do that. That is why I'm reading this to you, so that you'll understand that you're, you're, you're going to want to put somebody in position and think, well, they, they changed. Let me tell you something. If, if Biden became a born-again Christian this morning, he will still wreck the nation because you start as a seed. And we don't have time for him to grow up. So this is CEV. The mighty Lord all-powerful is going to take away from Jerusalem and Judah, everything you need, your bread and your water. Soldiers and heroes, judges and prophets, leaders and army officers. Oh, do we not have our officers quitting? Officials and advisors, and look at this, fortune tellers, because they will, that's what they've got caught up in, and others who tell the future, which is like intuitives. And he will let children and babies become your rulers. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that almost makes you shudder inside, doesn't it? But isn't that where we are now? You're talking about millions of people listening to these kids as if they got knowledge, listening to a man who got married 30 minutes before he wrote the book about marriage. I'm like, you haven't even had enough time. We had one crisis. Are you kidding? Good marriage. A good marriage had good five, good five crises. What you think? Don't you think, Sip? What about you, Elder? Apostles, good five, ten crises? Then you can call it strong. You can't call it strong, you know, because the first early ones, y'all still in love, y'all honeymooning. But, baby, when we realize that you got a real itch in your stitch, <laughs> now you understand why my show is called Taking It Off. With Paula Price, and I pretty much can't be with other folks. See, but when we realize that you got a real itch in your stitch, and that stitch kind of pops every so often, 
we have to make a decision about this marriage. Then we have to tell people how to hang in there and how to believe God and how to know that God will heal. So you have to recognize if your marriage hasn't been through 10 good cycles or something, I don't care if it's fidelity, finances, friendship, you name it, your, your, your belief system, your religion, your marriage is, is nothing until it survives at least 10 good rounds of, baby, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again, and oops, it happened again. Mm-hmm. It's the oops parts of the marriage that make it strong. Not your one thing. That's like having a problem with, a, with the boyfriend and the girlfriend. Or you engaged. No, you don't know what it's like when you want to walk away and you got to stay. Not just because of kids, but because God won't let you. When you have married, when you are Hosea and you're the married Gomer, because a lot of y'all got Gomer in male and female form. Go to sleep at night, wake up, Gomer's on the corner. Turning tricks. Are y'all all right? Hit a bell, babe. You couldn't even hit it. See, because people act like Hosea is not in there, but Hosea is in the Bible for God to tell you how he, as Israel's husband, felt about his forest wife. And he lays it out so articulately. And, and, and Gomer is like, I don't even know. Come, you, and then he brings her home. No, you're not going to go out again, right? You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm, I'm not going to go out again. And that thing is an itch in her soul because she belongs to another God. He married a woman who belongs to another God, to the God of whoredom, to the God of, 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 uh, of homosexuality, to the God of infidelity and adultery. That's what he had to say. God made him marry her. Some of you all, you trying to divorce that chick, that man, you can't. God's like, no, no, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a message out of you. Yes, I am. I'm getting me a message out of you. And I need a message that's not just going to be about um, empathy. He didn't want it, just a sympathy message. My God. He didn't even want an empathy message. He wanted an experiential message. No, when she comes home smelling like 50 men. Your husband come home and he's smelling like five different fragrances of cologne or perfume. See, that is what God is talking about. See, because you all are so busy dealing with your pastor's cleaned up version of God's experience with his creation, you have no idea how down and dirty we've drug him. And he's down in the gutter with us. And he's got to get himself out the gutter so he can pull us out. This is how the prophets of that day treat we cleaned up the scripture. You need to get some of them old ones. Because some of them old ones, honey, God be talking like he is. He's talking like a street man. <laughs> I got prophets on the line. Drop prophets on the line. Let's see. Lovey said we need CPR, defibrillator, life alert at this point. Tracy Waterford said, I want to throw my phone right now, but I need to hear this. <laughs> Tell me, prophet. Stephen Old Jr., we all headed to the ICU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. But you get the Bibles before they cleaned it up. And it's raw. God sounds like a raw dog leader and, and monarch who said, I'm sick of you. 
And when you listen to his voice, see, some of you all haven't heard him, but we do. We, there are ways that God's voice and his tone changes, and you're like, ooh, hmm, that's not my Sunday Jesus. Where's my, I want my Sunday Jesus. Give me my Sunday Jesus. I want Pastor Jesus, please. Because this man here can't be my Jesus. And people will tell you, but not the God I serve. That's the problem. The problem is the God you serve. Because you serve, you serve your own version of the God you can live with and the one you can twist and turn to your will. God is, uh, people, I want the Lord to speak to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Keep the Holy Ghost impressing you. <laughs> Just keep him impressing. Just, you get away clean like that. Don't don't no you don't want that because this other man ooh this uh, God I want to give you a word and I need all my apostles and prophets to ring in on this God could not be God today if he did things our way God is not losing his position he is not losing his station he is not risking it on your sin you need to understand he did that once he said I risked everything. On your sin, I will not do it again. So you come up or drop out. See, all that here, well, that's not loving. Don't, don't even, and listen, if y'all hear my name, my God. I'm telling you as surely as Jesus is the son of the resurrected Jesus is the son of God. I'm telling you, don't ever say that I'm not walking in love because I'm going to tell you I'm not that Christian who's intimidated by sinners trying to define God's love. I'm not that Christian. You don't get to define God's love for me because he's not in you. You don't have a clue about what it is to love somebody who decides to let you step all over him, treat him like trash, take his kids, sell him out, and still say, I'm going to give you another life and a destiny. You have no idea what it's like. We live with God's long suffering. And we know now why it's, first of all, nobody didn't believe God's suffering. Oh, no, that was just a theological or a literary choice of the translator. No, don't talk that to me because my Bible said if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you really could tell me about love, then you tell me about Jesus and how sacrificial you've been toward him. I'm going on. I want to read this one again. He said, soldiers and heroes, judges and prophets, leaders and army officers, officials and advisors, fortune tellers and others who tell the future, he will not let... Excuse me, he will let children and babies become your rulers. You will each be cruel to friends and neighbors, aren't they? We're always having a protest. Young people will insult elders. Don't we have that? Oh, yeah. Let's look at the whole New York thing with the, and, the, and the pandemic. They just killed off all the old folks. I'll be telling old folks, y'all be careful about going to these places. You don't know if you're going to make decisions or not. No one will show respect to those who deserve it. No one. Disrespect everywhere you go. But the answer will be, I can't do you any good. Don't make me your leader. Why? Because you're old enough to know this is a mess. I'm a mess because of the mess, and I can't help you get out of your mess. There's no food or clothing left in my house. Everybody's in pot. Do you not see this? I got the picture of all the tankers and containers sitting on the dock. With this president has decided we are going to bankrupt you by paying people not to work, and then we're going to starve you and impoverish you by letting your goods and your wares rot. 
You're not reading what he's telling truckers they can't pick up those loads and they can't drive. We don't have a supply chain problem. What we have is a man in the street being the wrong chain. So don't go, don't believe the media telling you that. There is no, even Steve Forbes, when I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, he said this is an artificial supply chain problem. And you know why he should say Because he got a lot invested in this land. No matter how you think about it. So the whole idea is for you to think that something like we magically, mysteriously don't have any, any food. We magically, everything is manipulated by humans. These people want you as their slaves. And when, when they have broken this nation, if you don't rise up as the same America who had the Boston Tea Party and go get your stuff, Isn't that what they did? They didn't just lay down and play dead. They may not have had a CNN, but they had town criers. I'm telling you, I summon by the spirit of the Holy Ghost, the fighting spirit of the American public. You will give us our stuff. We paid enough dues. We, we contributed to a lot of them are businesses we started, and we can't stop. You need to stop, stop listening fantasy of those who are convinced that you are too silly and too gullible to fight for your land and fight for your rights. Now, I'm not advocating violence because, frankly, I think that the mental and psychological, war, psychological warfare is much better. But you need to. We're coming up at a time where you get a chance to get your containers off the dock. You better get to those poles and get them off the dock. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And every time you hear the the big D word, you need to say, I don't want that. You need to go from D to R. That's what you need to do. Because this is your kids that's not having food. See, they're having a political game. This is a game. Because it doesn't hit them. You can rest assured that they have their own tankers in some warehouse somewhere. Their kids are not going to go hungry. Their houses are not going to be empty. They're not getting put out. You understand that the reason that you are going through this is so they don't. See, we're down at Let Them Eat Cake. And we can't even eat cake because you got our batter on, on the... <laughs> We got our batter on the dock. We can't we can't get our Betty Crocker. Uh, what nothing? Can't get an egg. We couldn't. What can we? We even we can't even do that. Isn't that something? Are you raising your hand or praising? She's. I mean, she. Um, you know, sometimes you raise or praise. We never know. But in we can't even eat cake. We worse off than they are. And this, if you. You have to understand, you are not, this is not about anybody's government. This is about your household and your family's survival. Because thrival, we got to earn again. And when I looked at that, I said, now, God, I got, now, God, you got to find that for me. Mm-hmm. And so moving on, because you know I'm still moving on. He said, verse, I'm going to go back to verse 3. Some of you will grab hold of a relative and say, you still have a coat. Be our leader and rule this pile of ruins. 
Talk about making it everyday language. But the answer will be, I can't do you any good. Don't make me your leader. There's no food or clothing left in my house. 3-8, Jerusalem and Judah, you rebelled against your glorious Lord. Your words and your actions made you stumble and fall. You, the look on your faces shows that you are as sinful as Sodom, and you don't try to hide it. You are, in, the truth, you are in trouble, and you have brought it all on yourselves. Tell those who obey God, you're very fortunate. You will be rewarded for what you have done. Tell those who disobey, you're in big trouble. What, did you, what you did to others will come back on you. Though you are God's people, you are ruled and abused by women and children. You are confused by leaders who guide you down the wrong path. The Lord is ready to accuse and judge all nations. He will even judge you rulers and leaders of his own nation. You destroyed his vineyard and filled your houses by robbing the poor. The Lord all-powerful says you have crushed my people and rubbed dirt in the faces of the poor. The Lord says women of Jerusalem, uh, women of Jerusalem are proud and strut around winking shamelessly. Are women, are, are they like that? And, and no, it's really funny. You, do you ever notice, you like to see a woman who is, okay, I'm going to be nice this time, who is voluptuously endowed. And, and, she know, and that's all she's got. When she sees you, she shifts. So shoot, you have to see. She starts lifting up the city. <laughs> and then she, she lifts her head up and she and looks down on you as if, I got this. And I'm thinking, but baby, that's full of germs and bugs. I know that. That's why Jesus didn't sleep around. He knew what was in those women. And he knew what was in those men. And he knew what God left it. And he knew the God that sold it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you all, you all go out with people and you don't know what was left in them. And then you go and you, have, you hop in the bed with them, not knowing what you're taking home with you. I mean, but that's how devils travel. And so it says, if they wear anklets that jingle and call attention to the way they walk. Hey, look at me. Aren't I fine and cute? Because Satan's got to get you looking on what you can see. Because if you can see these people's souls, you'd run and head for the hill. But I, the Lord, will cover their heads with sores, and I will uncover their private parts. See, you talk about me. Look at Jesus. Uncover their private parts. Now, I didn't, even I didn't even say that. Well, I kind of did. Okay. When that day comes, I will take away from those women all the fine jewelry they wear on their ankles, heads, necks, ears, and arms, nose, fingers, and on their clothes. I will remove their veil, their belt, their perfume, their magic charms, their royal robes, and all of that. So he's talking about occultic women. These are occultic women who's manipulated the spirit as well as the natural to get what they want. So I wanted you to hear this. Is this helping you all out there? Yes. Social media fam, is this helping you all? I mean, now that you picked yourself up off the floor, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a, de- a defibrillator sound. Clear. <laughs> now, here's something that the Good News Bible says, and I, I want you to know that God says it in any way you can understand it. That's why I'm reading it. 
Well, the King James is too deep. Well, let's go down to the CEV. All right, well, now we're over here at the Good News Bible. And it says, and now the Lord Almighty is about to take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything and everyone that people depend on. So when God starts moving your props, when he gets ready to take down a church, all of the dependable ones are what God begins to move out. Because you can't do much without the props. He said, their heroes and their soldiers, their judges and their prophets, their fortune tellers and their statesmen. Now, I want you to hear this. God starts everything with the prophets, so you understand that in God's mind, the prophets are institutional, constitutional figures, agents and representations. They're the pillars. They're part of the pillars. So look at the prophets who have been wrong because God has, is depriving you of the ones that he was talking to. And when he did, the prophets who were wrong ganged up as if they had experience, knowledge, and understanding, as if they could even get an audience with God. You realize Balaam didn't get an audience with God until God was ready to replace him with Moses. Their military and civilian leaders, their politicians, and everyone who uses magic to control events. See, isn't that a little different? Are you getting a deepening, enlightening, and revelation of this? He said the Lord will let the people be governed by immature boys. Is that what we got? Immature boys. Everyone will take advantage of everyone else. Young people will not respect their elders. Isn't that it? There's a young prophet out there now. Every time I turn around, he be rising up against me. It comes to, I'm there. I said, I don't even, what is wrong with this kid? And I was really behaving myself until the last time, and I rose up. I said, I command the spirit that is moving you to cease and desist, and I command every angel that is helping you to back off of you until you grow up. I've not been out here. So I was, I've been out here long enough to to go against. Not you. I'm here to talk to you. I just rescind or recall your spiritual help because the assignment was given to an angel first. And worthless people will not respect their superiors. Isn't that what we have today? I mean, I mean, we're living. With, I'm, we, God is emptying my church out of those. It's like, but you've done nothing for God, and you're gonna what? Okay, so I just want you to know I'm biblical. I'm biblical. So I don't have anything to stand on but the word of the living God. That's all I need. Anything else than that is superfluous. So we got all of these people putting their mouth there, do nothing, bring nothing, take nothing, mouth against God's leaders who have evidence, fruit. As a matter of fact, you're telling them off in their building. You're rebuking them. On their pew. See, that's how crazy Satan turned this thing into. Because this is what he did in God's world. That's why God got him out of his world, and now we got to deal with it. And somehow or another, we might. A time will come when the members of a clan will choose one of their members and say to him, you at least have something to wear, so be our leader in this time of trouble. But he will answer, not me. I can't help you. I don't have any food or clothes either. Don't make me your leader. That's why we can't get people to run for public office. Because they're like, wait a minute, I don't have what it takes. I'm sure I don't have what it takes. Because the ugly seems so strong, there's no possibility that the righteous can unseat them and right the wrongs that they've done. Verse 8, yes, Jerusalem is doomed. Judah is collapsing. Everything they say and do is against the Lord. They openly insult God himself, don't they? 
when you listen to these kids, the things that they say, the things that they do, they have to do evil. They don't have experience in right. They have to do devil because they're not old enough to grow into godliness. Because that takes time. They're, they're, so they're, they're operating on their default selves. Their prejudices will be held against them. They sin as openly as the people of Sodom did. They are doomed, and they have brought it on themselves. Now, when you say people of Sodom, think about all of these gay churches. That's these people, many of them by young people. Gay churches. I, you know, I'm with David Barton. Christian homosexual is an oxymoron. That's definitely an either or something because God didn't create homosexuals. Satan did. That's the population he, he bred into the planet. The righteous will be happy and things will go well for them. They will get to enjoy what they worked for. Thank God. Amen. Let's put up a hand for that. But evil people are doomed. What they have done to others will now be done to them. Money lenders oppress my people and their creditors cheat them. My people, your leaders are misleading you so that you do not know which way to turn. Isn't that where people are? I'm so confused. The Lord is ready to state his case. He is ready to judge his people. The Lord is bringing the elders and leaders of his people to judgment. He makes this accusation. You have plundered vineyards, and your houses are full of what you have taken from the poor. You have no right to crush my people and take advantage of the poor. I, the sovereign Lord Almighty, have spoken. The Lord said, look, look how proud the women of Jerusalem are. Very occultic city. Extremely. Think about Thyatira. These make sense. They walk along with their noses in the air. They are always flirting. They take dainty little steps, and the bracelets on their ankles jingle. But I will punish them. I will shave their heads and leave them bald. A day is coming when the Lord will take away from the women of Jerusalem everything they're so proud of, the ornaments they wear on their ankles and their heads on their necks and on their wrists. He will take away their veils and their hats, the magic charms they wear on their arms and their waist, the rings they wear on their fingers and noses, all, the, all of their fine robes and gowns, cloaks, and purses. Woo! Their revealing um, garments, their linen handkerchiefs, and the scarves and long veils they wear on their heads. Instead of using perfumes, they will stink. Instead of belts, they will wear coarse robes. Instead of having beautiful hair, they will be bald. Instead of the fine clothes, they will be dressed in rags. Their beauties will be turned to shame. The men of the city, yes, even the strongest, will be killed in war. The city gates will mourn and cry, and the city itself will be like a woman sitting on the ground, stripped naked. I wanted you to hear that, and you can read different versions of it, and it's only going to enlarge and, and enlighten you on the refining language each version uses. But I wanted to have something that you can see today. They've used today's language. Today, God, look at what took away the politicians, took away the, hill, uh, the heroes. I mean, you think about it, the judges. We had to fight to get decent judges back in, all right? We don't even want to talk about the prophets. Military and civilian leaders talking about, I don't know, we can't move, we all bound up, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm retiring. This is divine judgment. Mm -hmm. 
whether we like it or not. We don't want to call it that because then it looks like we did something wrong. We did. We had to have done something wrong because we are living with wrong. Yeah. We're living in wrong times. I mean, it's hardly a day to go by that you say, that's, that's, that's just wrong. That's just plain wrong. And so the problem is people want to, want to fix the part that they agree with, but they want God to leave what they prize or cherish untouched. God is a holistic God. So you can rest assured that God's going to do the whole thing, and it's going to be kind of special. Now, I think it should be. I think, oops, sorry. So holy, holy, holy. God, I want to talk to you with the little bit of time we have left. Did you have any more quotes? Because, you know, I'm loving them too. But they behave. Are you all behaving out there? <laughs> yeah. You do? Yeah. Can you put them up? Mm-hmm. I can come down and you put them up. I want you to see this. I have to come. Huh? Oh, that's when he connected to me? I can, uh, I can put them on the Okay. Well, get it on the jump drive and, and do something because I really want this to be seen because we have to stop buying the lie. And not only that, you think about all of the, the millions and millions of tons of food that they're going to either throw away or give to their pet nations. Well, we starve. I feel like this here. We're like three times the size of Venezuela and Brazil and whatnot. We ought to be able to fare better with this. Is that something I need to? We ought to be able to fare better with this than they did. So, but anyway, and let me know when you're ready, Rachel. So I want to talk about the holiness because what we think is holy and what God calls holy, two different things. Like God doesn't start, he, he ends with your attire being holy, but he starts with your being being holy. He starts with you being holy. And then because only a holy you would choose holy attire. Profane won't. Profane people just, they can't help it. I just really want them to see this because when I saw this, I was, I, I was appalled. So let's see how I can do it. Yes. I have to do that next time. All right, so I'm going to write it. I could write it on here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, what I like about Thursday is that I could, I, I could not be as stiff as home. What is it under? There's uh, four images um, that were recently added to that. So I just go there and open them. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right. You know, we, you know, when you do new stuff, Rach, I got to read. What is the name of it? Oh, it says image? Okay. That's right. This Stephen is Holger, you said, no, we cutting up with you, Apostle. Huh? The cut-ups are happening. Let's I, see. Terry. I love the cut-ups. Yeah, Terry John said, sad that young folks think that by going against a general is building up their name. Going right. to reap what you sow. Yeah, oh, honey. Woo, that's the statement right there. That's true. I mean, that's the way to be known. It's probably not the way you want, though. Mm. But, you know, the thing is, what I like about the fact that what he just said, mm-hmm. 
is this. I don't have to fight with you, little one. Because, see, I was you. So I understand how this is going to go. And when God freezes you on the back burner, it's for, you, you might have hit me for 20 seconds, but understand you're going to be 10, 20 years in the, in the wilderness. These four. So what do you want me to do? I can just make a slide out of them. Let me see. You think I can't do this, but I should be able to do this, right? I want you all to see this because it's important that you understand that what you're being told is not the truth. And what do I do, copy it? Change my screen. Okay. She's teaching me how to change my projection. Go here. 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 Okay. I want you to see this. I don't know, but it's probably because it's in full screen mode. Yeah. She said she'll do it while I talk. Appreciate my team. Did you have something else you wanted to say? Okay. One, because my attitude is this. If you really are seated where you are and you know what God has invested you to do and be, I don't have to argue with you. I just go to my seat. And by the power vested in me, I rewrite your future. And I reassign your spiritual agents. Should I not be able to say that? It is so. Well, I'm telling uh, others. But I think that <laughs> this is a point worth saying. And for the people in the back who wonder where that is in Scripture, mm-hmm. where is that in Scripture? Now, we know it's in it. But Alexander and Hymenaeus are turned over to Satan that they would learn not to blaspheme. But who said that? Because, see, people don't the know. The Apostle Paul, oh. without New the A. New Testament. Oh. Okay? Without the A. To this man who has done this, when I am together, when you get together and I join you with my spirit, I turn this one over to Satan that they learn not to blaspheme. And we could talk about Ananias and Sapphira. The people scared of apostles, not because of our message, but because of our rank. Real apostles. And see, I'm certainly not going to do that. I'm not going to tolerate that. God, we had a major crisis. I'm going to try to say it as enigmatically as I possibly can. We had a major crisis in our organization with leadership, and I was saying to God, I said, Lord, um, you know, this is, you know, after all of this, knowing the damage that this person did here, and now they're getting ready to widen it. And, you know, so she had backing from other, you know, unenlightened apostles. And, he, you know, and so did he because there was a group of them. And this is what God said. I said, but God, I need you to do something. He said, I gave it to you. You do something. He said, these kids are raining because y'all don't stop them. He said, you're too busy being in opera. He know I'm not, but they're too busy being in opera with them. You say, he said, if I told you whosoever sins you retain or retain and remit it or remit it, what do you think I meant? I meant do your job. I said, now, if you decide that we can't do it, then he said, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't tolerate that in heaven. He said, you all bless these kids. You all send them money. You all do all of the things and make them successful and then talk about how they don't serve me and how badly they're treating me. He said, that's not my issue, and that is not my concern. Now, if you want to live with babes ruling over you, that's fine, but don't blame me because you get the fruit of their judgment. He said, so tell me, what do you want to do with her and him in the future? And I laid out, and I write them, because, see, sometimes I forget so I have to remember what I pray. <laughs> and I write them. And I said, this, this, this. I lock this. I shut this down. I turn this off. And you know why? I don't have to deal with a person like that. I deal with the agents, because every minister has an angelic guard and a, and a spiritual entourage. And they work with me. So I know that we're not accustomed to that because you're listening to pastors say, well, you know, we got to walk in love. So do they. And I think it's very unloving for me to unleash rebellion on God's people. That's an unloving act. I think it's very unloving for me to turn around and tell somebody they can trust something that I know they can't trust. That's unloving, not to mention cowardly. So, no, I don't. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, on my staff, I do what I do. But if you're, I don't, no, I don't, mm-mm. And when I say that, you know why? Because how does Satan stop us? He stops us by attacking our angels. Okay? And they fight for us. So God said, if you all join us, we can get a lot more done. But he told me, he said, if you send up, because we say pray for those who are in authority. Yeah, but he's not saying, Lord, pray to bless their work. Pray to bless their treachery or their betrayals, he's saying, pray that they come to the knowledge of the truth mm-hmm. and the knowledge of the Son of God. Meanwhile, bind their works. Mm-hmm. See, this is spiritual warfare we didn't teach you, which is also how we got here. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't call evil good, and I don't call good evil. And so, uh, so when he said that to me, he said, so what do you want to do? I said, well, actually, God, you know, because this was new to me, he said, you determine it. We will obey those we put in higher authority because he said in Ecclesiastes 3, um, I think it's 5, 8, higher authority is over higher authority and higher authority over them. So if I'm seated in my highest seat of authority, then I expect that before the flesh will obey me, the spirit realm will. Mm-hmm. And it's their job to go after the flesh that I have issued these edicts and mandates on. And so that's our job. That's who it is. That's why we're doing this. That's what it is to be a principality of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's called to be. Um, Rachel made some miracles happen for me down here. I just appreciate you, Rachel, because you know I was going to make a mess of this. I was. I was going to make a terrible mess of it. So now that I am, and I want to see. I want you to see this. I want you to get it because now you, when you start praying, don't start walking around here talking about this is, you know, th- this is what they say, how bad it is. We are not magically under attack. We are maliciously and maniacally under attack. I want to get that straight, you know, because we, we are not magically under attack. And, we, we, you know, we need to be able to say the, um, wh- what it is because if you don't name it right, you don't get it right. I got them all here. Ah, uh, look at that. 
Are you ready? This is where your stuff is. This is why your stores are empty. Your supplies are not empty. Your stores are empty. And God had been sending to me this song. I'm talking now to intercessors. You know, he kept singing one line from this phrase, my storage is empty. My storage is empty. He keeps singing one line. That's it. Your, see, look at this. This is utterly ridiculous. They, this here was on um, Twitter because the people are finally waking up to the fact that this is crazy. But look at this. All the, all, your empty stores, this is where they are. All of those are containers. The Democratic Biden government, the socialist Democratic Biden government, will not allow to be delivered to your store. So your baby won't eat. Your children won't eat. They won't have warm clothing. You won't be able to take care of your house. Is that scary or what? I mean, that's countless. Countless, countless shit. Here they are coming in, but not allowed to do what they're supposed to do. But here's another one. This is a good view. Isn't it? So when you stand in your store, don't talk about, because I, I even heard somebody say something about the Republican. Are you saying we gave you a Republican who made America great, and you gave us a socialist Democrat that devastated us in less than a year. Now, I mean, this is not about my politics, your politics. This is about provision. And this is about patriotism. Who really loves this land? This is why you don't have your, this is, y'all online, are they online following me? Yeah, yeah she's the Oh, good for you. You're doing what? Okay, I'm like, hmm, how's that? Did I do well? I need you to recognize we don't have a supply problem. We don't even have a supply chain problem if we would stop, stop borrowing the truckers from, There's no truck. The truckers are told they can't, they can't pick up your stuff. So you need to start slamming your government for the sake of your household, for the sake of your business, for the sake of your school, for the sake of your own well-being, medical supplies, all of this is to devastate the land. So when you have to pay $25 for a roll of toilet paper, I want this picture to come to your mind. Talk to your neighbors who were in these particular maneuvers in other lands, and they'll tell you what the next play is. That is one of the things that I wanted to do. I did not want to leave here today without giving you a sense of understanding where the problem is. The problem is everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, Trump never got this close, and we were dumped Trump. I mean, we made a slogan out of it, and the man made, I mean, he got gas prices down. We had, man, we had business going all over the place, and because the media didn't like him. See, he wasn't a media favorite because the media has to work for that elite who has determined we should no longer be. This is not about them either. This is about if we have 350 
million people, probably more than that, but we can't we can't count the rest of them. They running from the census. But if we have that many people and you can't get your stuff off of a dock, shame on you, United States of America. Shame on you. Because if we're supposed to be Democrat, uh, uh, what was it, government for the people, by the people, then the people ought to go get those containers, and the people ought to be able to do their job. So either that's not the case and we are facing something else, but whatever it is, it comes down to us making up our mind, will our children eat? Because that's where this is going. Will our elderly get medicines? Will our businesses have are we going to shut down every supermarket and shut down every restaurant? This is not political. This is survival. Yeah. And there is time that we need to separate the two. That is just my thought. I'm just one person. But you can hear more of me on taking it on with Paula Price because I don't get better. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Has anybody else been following this? Yeah. You have? What have you been discovering? We might as well wrap this up since we only have a short time left. And, and if anybody on uh, social media wants to chime in, just pick it up and Apostle Ashley will get it to us. No, what you are showing us today is absolutely correct, and it's not only happening here, it's happening in places like Yemen, Afghanistan, as well, where the products are being held at the bay. Additionally, I was watching a video just the other week, extremely interesting, concerning Bezos and Amazon and how he has years ahead been prepping his entity to work around these logistics, just how he built an entire other logistical system to go around what was going to be triggered to happen now. So the reason why you can go to Amazon.com and still get your whatever in two days, three days, like we're used to doing with Amazon, is because he was 10 steps ahead of it. But that also speaks to what you're saying about the elite. There's a distinct transfer that's being blared to us in that, that we're completely missing because now when we go back to the verses you were walking us through in Isaiah, there's like a small set of verses there, 9 and 10, where it's talking about um, the right, the righteous will be happy and things will go well for them. So we've got these light and treacherous prophets that are focusing on verses 9 and 10, while everything that you read to us in verses 1 through 8 is actually what's going on around us. And then like you said, because we haven't been given the theology to teach us to be able to recognize it. People don't recognize that you're being prophesied the lot of the righteous, but you are the wicked. You don't see that you actually fall in all the other verses. Yep. Right? So there's so much going on that we aren't even tapping into and seeing it. What you're doing is helping all of those who would view it to, to really wake up out of this whole stupor, this delusion, and this enchantment that we have been under. An enchantment, but that's where the fortune tellers are. That's where the diviners are. Anyone else had anything to say? Okay. I can just I'll just piggyback up what you said because um, I watched it happen. We were in a country where toilet paper was ten dollars a roll. One pill of Tylenol was five dollars per pill. We watched it and we watched and I told people talk about that enchantment. I said this on a prophet circle. I said, Listen, this whole idea that you think you're gonna be able to just if my people humble themselves and pray. Uh-huh. Those Venezuelans, we were at their churches, they're holding prayer vigils, they were up all night, they walked the floor and they still lost their nation. 
They still lost their country. So it's not just going to be a matter of us just getting together and holding hands, and we are the world, and we're going to pray, and this is going to be gone because we watched it happen, and they lost their country. They had to flee for their lives. It was probably the, one of the most hardest realities. And I, and, and I think about how strategic God was about being there at that time God. in their struggle and then looking at the signs of where we are right now in our struggle, knowing that it's real and knowing that it's not one of those things that, like you said, we can just prophesy into a different reality. <laughs> they got so many words. You know they did. I did. They got so many words. Their churches were flooded with so many words from prophets everywhere talking about it wasn't going to be what it became. And largely because the attitude of even some of the leaders were, we just need to pray and not fight. Mm-hmm. They stopped right. people from getting politically involved, the church people, that is. They discouraged church people from getting politically involved in that process and allowed this whole thing to deteriorate to what we see in them today, where their stores were not only empty, but those people actually went starving. Yes. And, and lost everything. And she's right about that, that where we are today, right now, the, 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 in the Christian sector, the ire is against the pastors. They have no idea the ire that people are having against them. When, when you come out of your church bubble and you start seeing what God is really facing and what you, we're really fighting with, you, these people leave those churches. That is why I gave that whole thing, your tour of duty may be over. Because they leave those churches. Is there anyone else there that had anything? Stephen Holt Jr. said, it's so true. Distributors of my trade are being told they're only allowed to house a certain amount of product. So the shops in our union are dealing with a product shortage, which is affecting their ability to go get jobs. So then here's the thing, though. Who's telling them? So you don't start with the effect. You go to the root. John the Baptist came and laid the axe to the root. So who is telling them? And what are they doing to enforce that obedience? What kind of threats, coercion, whatever, we don't know. We're just everyday common people, okay? But we understand certain things. So who's telling them? They cannot. You can't do it. I'm, going, I'm not going to, to – I don't want you to forget that picture because the next time they tell you that this is a, a supply problem, you need to recognize – What are they going to do with those containers? Who gets that? Who gets that merchandise? Who gets that inventory? Who gets that property if we can't have it? And it belongs to us. And like she said, all over the nation, you're talking about 8 billion people on the planet. And a handful of people have decided what? But one thing I count on, I have counted on it since I was a young woman, and that is, until you hit that nerve of self-preservation. See, there is a nerve called self-preservation. And when you strike that nerve, nothing you do will restrain the person who has chosen survival over tyranny. Here we go. The last several decades found our nation consumed with self-celebrating rather than watching over and attending its accomplishments. We felt the number twos of the world were just as content with our triumphs as we were, failing to realize that they too have bounced back gut grit. Their achievements so far apparently say they were more determined to become number one than we were to stay there. Number two's high hopes and great aspirations concentrate on on unseating the number ones in their world. 
to tackle the arduous task of turning things around, we must start our Take Back program not with blind recovery, but with well-thought-out plans that follow Jesus' advice. We must be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Based on his wisdom, we should mold our initiatives around acceptance and acknowledgement of our part in our current predicament if we want to get him involved in it. This is critical because God's restoration starts with humans taking responsibility for their part in earth's crises. That can only happen with truth. It alone breaks yokes and rescues souls from the social disease-causing agents that drove us to this place. Often in eras like this, Second Chronicles 7.14 is quoted to petition God to heal our land. For him to do so, though, we have to figure out what we did for him to shrug us off in the first place. That answer relies on praying the right words. Our prayers cannot start and stop at God heal our land because that would imply he randomly brought us to this place without cause. Such prayers cast a shadow on his faithfulness, suggesting he indifferently thrust us under his enemy's oppression, which is not the case. So step one in our petition, petitioning must be truth, particularly since Jesus in John 8:32 and 36 says, truth frees people. Truth is the soul's healing balm, the restorative therapy that treats the soul's inorganic disorders and dysfunctions. To get audience with our God, truth and honesty have to pave the way. We should realize it is not enough to quote Second Chronicles 7:14. We must practically, not just theologically, Take steps to walk it out. For example, we should explore what humbling ourselves under God's hands involves to uncover what moves him to purge a devastated land. When it comes to nations, people called by God's name, humbling themselves for his forgiveness, uh, um, repentance is mandatory and must be the start point. God's repentance condition suggests something turned his face from us. We should discern what it is to get God to return his face toward us. For heaven to shine his favor on us again means turning from our ways and learning his. Scripture tells us that spiritual steps must precede actual steps to bring healing to souls and lands. As one of the Almighty's realms, we on earth must put teeth into our petitions, beginning with bluntly stating, we close the heavens over us and propositioning God on what will reopen them. Jump-starting all this relies on unifying Christ's body and consolidating its doctrine. The unity of the spirit is how scripture puts it. We can no longer say, Lord, it's not our fault. Ooh, that devil got the best of us. Ooh, Satan snuck this past the Almighty. We're going to have to look at our part. If you are a, a teacher if you are a preacher, if you're a prophetic or apostolic educator, intercessor, you need to study those prophets because they give you the reason why God is behaving the way he is. They're explaining to you that for 30, 40, 50 years, he's put up with our nonsense. Name it, claim it, shake it, bake it, snatch it, take it, whip it, rake it. Come on. Because you have to recognize God says a curse causeless without will not alight, meaning that
that there is always a reason for him doing what he does. And we have been taught that God is only, uh, only mythically real. He's a mythical God, not mysterious, mythical. So he's a mythically real God, and so we don't have to really treat him as if he exists. And if he does exist, that he cares. And if he does care, that he has the power, well, the authority to get involved. And so we've got all of that going on while we're walking around with the label of Christian telling everybody that heaven is our home. Well, who do you think you're going to meet there? A Bible? Scroll? Scroll of Scripture? Who do you think you're going to meet? So we're so convoluted. In our doctrine and in our, in our understanding, we're not ready to deal with the true and living God. Now, you have to recognize so you can say that, um, okay, so I understand God in terms of this or that. God had a world before earth. If you're taking notes, you better write this down because this is important. God had a world before earth. He had worlds. The Bible says through whom Jesus is whom he made the world, okay? And so you have to understand that God has other citizens that are looking at us. He's got an age, ageless, eternal credibility that he's dealing with. So there are things that we would like him to change. There are things that we would want God to just ignore and overlook and sweep under the rug, but he has other worlds that he's locked his righteousness into. So his righteousness is locked into those worlds. And every new one he brings online has got to be brought under the yoke of that righteousness. So God is not deciding when you're sin that it's a sin. He's already done that. He's not t- defining holiness by, by generations and contemporary evolution. That is not what he's doing, because he already perfected everything before he said, let there be light. It was perfected. He didn't, we are not an experiment. We are the conclusion of a long campaign of reproducing his world in various forms and various states, uh, states and conditions. When you listen to these people tell you this, they have been thinking that when God said, let there be light, that that was his first effort and that he's kind of learning as he goes. Isn't that what we think? Wow. He said, let there be light. Whoa, ho. Light. So that's what light is? Whoa, that showed up. You have to understand those scriptures authoring mantles wouldn't make those mistakes. Apostles and prophets and teachers are how God authored scripture. So, and then he added evangelists and he added pastors, but they're not in the constitutional threefold of the church that, is the, that brings us the full structure and holds it together. So when you think about, well, um, you know, you know, we on earth, we don't have to answer to that. No, no, no. No, no. That's not true. That is not true, and we have got to stop letting people who absolutely know nothing about God or people who inherited the revelation. It was handed off to them. We have got to stop acting as if they 
no better than those who received it and wrote it and sent it and actually end up being the compilers, the composers of the Bible that's been compiled for us. Now, when I look at uh, um, Proverbs 26.2, it's a very important phrase. I absolutely love it when it says, and somebody asked me about this, and I, at that time I was a young minister, a young prophet, I didn't know, but it said, um, Proverbs 26.2, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. So there's a reason birds fly. I mean, swallows fly, and there's a reason birds wander, and there's a reason for the curse that we just saw, and God articulated that reason. And when you look at the word for it, it means um, without cause, for nothing, no purpose, in vain. Now think about it. So God, everything we're living, living has a cause, has a purpose, not in vain. I think you're getting the point. Are we getting the point? So when we look at um, that, when we think about it, it says some of the other words, a curse undeserved does not land. I thought you wanted, you know, I just thought you wanted to find that. An undeserved curse will be powerless to harm you. Is that good? Undeserved. So that even if, you know, what Satan means for evil, God uses for good. That's because what Satan was trying to give you was undeserved. I just thought that I wanted to make it clear for you guys to get a hold of what we're talking about. And it says, so listen, and this says, hastily spoken curse do not come to rest. It's important that you understand how God thinks. A curse causeless will not come home. I like the undeserved peace. Do you all like that? Causeless. I want you to understand why God is saying this, because I went through all of that for you to get it, so that you can wrap your head around the reality that as much as we like to say it's not our fault, we want to blame shift, we want to deflect, bottom line, heaven doesn't think like that. Okay? A cur- now, this is the last, the last couple. A curse you don't de- deserve will take wings and fly away like a, spa- a, star- a sparrow or a swallow. So if you don't deserve it, it won't land on you. It won't land on your house. It won't land on your land. So you look at all of the stuff that you're going through. God, I don't deserve this. I don't know. You need to find out if he agrees. A curse uttered without a cause will not come upon a man. I really wanted you to get this. Don't worry when someone curses you for no reason. Nothing bad will happen. But that was pretty straightforward. And that's the last one. Curses cannot hurt you unless you deserve them. They're like birds that fly by and never light, which is, not, which is why God says there's no sorcery against Jacob. Because if, you, if God has blessed you, nothing can curse you. But if you take yourself from under his blessing, then you expose yourself to whatever people want to do to you. 
everything that we're living right now, if we're going to call on Second Corinthians, excuse me, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, we need to sit down like intelligent people and talk to God intelligently and frankly and say, you know what, God, you are a common sense God. We like to say He's a God of love and then say that He can't do anything. God loves God. We we act as if God hates Himself. He's not one of these these uh, insecure earthly parents. Well, I love my children more than myself. I don't. I love my children. I love myself. We love each other differently. God loves God. He loves God so much he reproduced himself in Jesus. So I don't know. Um, I hope this was anything else before we close out. I hope this was um, this was helpful. I know it seemed like I kind of went here, there, and everywhere. But I really didn't, did I? No. Okay. I just want to know. Join us Sunday at the embassy, home of the congregation of the mighty, where God stands. And we let him, now God doesn't just stand here. We work to understand him and to stand under him. And also, if this has blessed you, share, 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 and then share again, and, well, go share some more. And after that, sow a seed. Because there are, this may have been offensive to some people, irritating to others, and, and, and you know, intimidating, but I want to tell you something. God is prayer answering God. Just because you don't want it doesn't mean someone didn't ask him for truth. There are people asking God for truth, his truth. They have said, I don't want to listen to another thing of this or that. I need to know what says the Lord, which is why you've noticed I've been reading scripture a lot more because people are asking God for truth. God, tell me how we got here. Otherwise, I can't comprehend how we're getting out of it. So when people talk about this is legalistic and this is all of that, it, it is for them. But they act like they're the only people that want something from the Lord. But God says he has people who want to do righteous, who want to be righteous, who want to understand his ways, who want to order their steps and correct their ways. There are people who want to do that, and they don't know where to begin. Hey, God, aha, I'm where you begin. Go through all of my teachings on uh, social media, because they tell me it's a number of places, go to all of the teachings, and don't just listen to them. Sit down and comb through them and sit with the Holy Ghost. Sit with the Lord Jesus. Okay, Jesus, where am I here? Where am I there? You can, the Bible said you should examine yourself. If you can examine yourself, then guess what? You can fix your issues. You can stop the hell chasing your life. But it's got to be a genuine effort. We can't just do it haphazardly. I'm, I'm doing it today. I'll, well, I'm just, you know, I'm taking a break from the last time God got me. No, that's not going to work. So, again, Sunday, 8 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock Sunday service. It's a wonderful thing. And, again, share, 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 and sow a seed, and sow a quality seed. Because sometimes you have to sow into your freedom, just like you sowed into your captivity. See you next time. Think differently. Live powerfully. God bless you. All clear. Sure? Thank <laughs> you.